Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the fourth part in our series going through the Gospel of Mark. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. You guys good? All right, I want to read a passage of scripture, and we're going to study it today. So it's going to give us the context um, of our message and really the overview. So Mark chapter 4. Verse 35, it says, that day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Suddenly a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So we got ourselves a storm. And it says in verse 38 that Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. He was not worried. Sometimes uh, it can appear (laughs) like everything's falling apart, yet God's still not worried. It says the disciples woke him and they said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the winds died down. And it was completely calm. It wasn't just a little bit calm. It was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Verse 41, they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this that even the wind and the waves obeyed? You guys can be seated. Thank you so much, worship team. Thank you so much, Kim. So glad you guys could be here. Once again, everyone watching online, hey, we love you. So glad you could be here. My name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here. And uh, hey, if you don't know uh, who we are, we hope you get to know us. Um, I don't know if you guys will agree with this sentiment uh, or not, but one thing that I've found is like, it sort of seems that the older I get, the more fearful I become. Anyone, anyone kind of experienced that? Like, I, I like for you guys, if you don't know, uh, my wife and I, we have um, twin girls. They're a year and a half. And so as the weather has been getting warmer, the lockdown's longer, uh, we've been spending a lot of time outside, and we've been going to parks around our house. And it's funny, as we go to these, house, uh, to these parks, I should say, I find myself um, fearful. Because like, I, don't, I don't even just look at the parks, you know, through my lens. I look through, through the lens of a one-and-a-half-year-old. And kind of like everywhere I look in these parks, like I see death traps. I see like, I see, you know, um, ledges. I see branches in the sand as sharp as knives. And so not even through the lens of a one and a half year old, because their lens is like, just go. I'm more so see it through the lens of a father, right? And so I'm kind of, I'm just nervous, right? When I go to these places, to these parks, I'm fearful. But that part I think is kind of justifiable as a parent. But the fear that I did not expect was that uh, oftentimes as I'm kind of climbing on the equipment with the girls in these playgrounds that are built for six-year-olds, I found myself like a little bit nervous. Like there have been a couple times where I've gone to the edge of the slide and I'm like, you know what, like forget a one and a half-year-old, like I'm not going down that thing. Like this thing looks steep. Because I think like the more life goes on, I've just realized I get a little more fearful. And I think a part of the reason I get a little more afraid is because like life kind of jades you a little bit. Like when you've thrown out your back one or ten times, when you've dislocated your shoulder each and every time from non-contact injuries, like you just become a little bit more hard. And so like I just found at the park I'm a little bit more fearful. And so this morning I want to talk about fear 
But the reason I want to talk about fear is not even so much the, the, the park or the playground, but it's more so obviously the story that we're going through today. But even more than that, I was driving this week. I was driving um, a Monday morning, and one of the things that this time of year makes me do is it makes me reminisce, and it makes me think and remember um, a few years ago. For those of you guys that don't know the story, um, our church is now two and a half years old, and uh, come on. So glad um, that you guys are excited about that. Uh, But it was three years ago that I actually left my job um, in order to start this church. And so if you guys don't know the story, I felt that God put a vision on my heart to start a church where people that don't know Jesus could come and experience Jesus. People that don't necessarily or normally like church would actually want to come to church. And that was kind of the heart, and that was kind of the dream and the vision behind Kingdom Church. And so it was actually in this time, um, April uh, 2018, that I left my job. And so I was driving this last week, and I was thinking about it. And I was just thinking back of how crazy it was. Because, like, I was 24 years old. Um, and, like, when I did it, like, like I said, I had to leave my job, and I ended up working at FedEx. And um, I really had no backup plan. I had no experience. I didn't really know what I was doing. All I had was a God dream. And I was driving just thinking about it, thinking like, man, that was so crazy. Um, But then this thought crossed my head. And the thought was just simply like, would you do it again? Would you do it right now? Like all over again. Could you do it right now? And I was driving. And you need to understand that this was Monday morning. So like Sunday, we just had our Easter thing. Right? The whole church under one roof. It was awesome. It was amazing. We, we've seen two years of God's faithfulness in this place. Our church is self-sufficient. We're steady. We're alive. We're growing. Our team is growing. And, and any person, I would tell, if God puts something on your heart, don't run away from it. Chase it. In fact, just jump in and just do it. Because if God promised it, he's going to make a way. But I was sitting in my car and I asked myself, like, would I do it again? And it was really weird because it was a hypothetical question I asked myself. But suddenly I was filled with fear. And it made no sense because I've done it. But I was just filled with fear. And as as a follower of Jesus, as a believer, I kind of just asked myself a question. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, why do I have fear? Why am I afraid? Like, why am I not filled with faith? But I realized something, because this morning I want to talk about fear, but I also want to talk about faith, because I think that fear and faith directly correlate to each other. But one thing I've realized about faith is I think that faith can be fleeting at times. At least the emotion attached with it. Have you guys ever been there where you feel like you have great faith in one moment? Or you feel like you have great faith in one season. Or, or, or one time maybe you've done something crazy. But like two months later, two years later, you feel like you now have no faith. Because I, I think that faith can be fleeting. But the ironic thing is that I think that although faith is fleeting, I think that fear is easy. Like it's hard to be faithful, but it's really easy to be fearful. That's, that's kind of what I realized. And so I know this morning, you know, as a church... We follow Jesus, and so none of us deal with fear, right? But what I want to do this morning, I'm giving you guys the title of my message, because it's a really practical title. It's just this, how to fight fear. How to fight fear. That's what I want to talk about this morning. You see, I think if we're going to be honest, the legacy of this last year that we've all experienced, I think for a long time, will be the fear that it produced. 
I think that we now live in a culture of fear. And I don't even just mean fear of getting sick or fear of a virus. I think for a lot of us, there's many different fears associated with the last year. There's fear of the future. There's fear of finances. There's fear of just isolation. There's fear of what's next. And I think for a lot of us, if we're just being honest, maybe we've experienced more fear in the last year than we've experienced in any year prior. And I know for a lot of us, what happens when we experience fear is that we can feel like we are then not people of faith. But what I want to do this morning is I want to show us that fear and faith are actually more connected than we may know. And so we're going to study a passage of scripture in Mark chapter 4, and our title is How to Fight Fear. And we're not necessarily going to learn how to fight fear from this passage. But we're going to learn kind of what not to do, but I think that it's going to show us what we should do. And so I want to be uh, in Mark chapter 4. If you guys have been with us through this series, going through the gospel of Mark, uh, what we have seen is that the gospel means good news. And so I'm hoping once again that we can see good news. I'll give you guys a little context if you haven't been with us where we pick up our story in Mark chapter 4. Jesus has been healing people. We saw a paralytic that was healed. We saw... um, We've seen sicknesses, disease eradicated. Jesus now specifically has been teaching and preaching. And he's teaching in parables, blowing people's minds, spitting fire like they've never heard before. And then we pick up our story. If you guys are ready, just shout, I'm ready. ready. Online, you can type in the chat, I'm ready. Doesn't matter if you're watching this live or not. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, it says, That day when evening came, Jesus, who is the he, said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. Suddenly, a furious squall came up and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So I want to set the picture. Jesus and the disciples get into the boat. And where they are is this place called the Sea of Galilee. And suddenly, seemingly out of nowhere, we have this tremendous storm. Now, for a lot of people, that might be think, you might be thinking to yourself, why would they go into uh, the, a boat? Why would they go onto the sea, onto this lake, if there was a great storm? What you need to understand about the Sea of Galilee is the Sea of Galilee um, is hundreds of meters below sea level. And it's surrounded by hills. And so anyone that has gone to the Sea of Galilee, even in present day, will tell you one thing that it is known for is the notorious storms that can come seemingly out of nowhere. And so literally, it can be perfectly fine one moment, and you're in a storm the next. However, there are a couple of clues that Mark gives us to let us know that this is not just an ordinary storm. Number one, it says a furious storm, right? A furious squall. And so the boat is like, it's it's filling with water. And it's going and it's going. And so what happens in a moment and why I think one of the greatest indicators that we know this was a tremendous storm is that the disciples are fearful for their lives. You need to understand a lot of the disciples, a large number of them were fishermen, meaning they live on the sea. And so what that means is they have experienced a storm or two in their time. And so even for them, they're like, oh, my gosh, this thing is huge. That, that lets us know what kind of a storm this was. Now, if you guys have been in church for a while, and we got a churchy crowd this morning, you kind of know what the churchy thing for this story to say is. It's, you know what? Have no fear, Jesus is on your boat. Why do you guys have fear when Jesus is on the boat? Come on, somebody. 
Why, how could the disciples be fearful when Jesus is on the boat? But I want you to understand something. This is not an average storm. They're literally scooping water outside of the boat just to remain afloat. You want to know what I would suggest? If I was on that boat, if you were on that boat, you would be scared too. In fact, I would suggest you're probably a sociopath if you didn't feel fear in that moment. Because all of us at some point have felt afraid. Fear is natural. Listen, I've never been on a boat, but like I've almost died a few times. And one of them, like I was driving, this is back when I was 17 years old. I was in high school and I had a friend and he drove an old Honda Civic, like a 1999 Honda Civic. And you guys know the white mud in Edmonton? Anyone been in the white mud? So the white mud is 80 kilometers an hour. That's the speed limit. My friend, what he used to do on the white mud specifically, um, he called it the Mario Andretti. He's a race car driver. And so what he would do is that while everyone's going, you know, 70 to 80 to 90, he'd go like 110, 120, and he called it the Mario Andretti. And he would literally just duck and dodge through traffic. And it was kind of fun, except this one time when we literally almost died. And so I'll tell you guys the story. So he's doing his thing, the Mario Andretti, in this 1999 Honda Civic. Like, we're hitting RPMs that car was not meant to hit. <laughs> and so he's ducking and dodging throughout traffic. And so we're in the far left lane. The white man has three lanes. And then he kind of does this thing. There's a bunch of cars, and he does a huge shift from the far left lane all the way to the right lane because we're about to pass some cars. But what happens, as soon as we get into the right lane, we see that there is a big barrier. It's one of those, you guys know those like, um, what are they called? The, the cement barriers? Because the road was closed there. There was construction there. And so we shift into that right lane. And all we see is this cement barrier. And it's literally like maybe 100 meters in front of us, if that. And so my mind in that moment is like, you know what, Mario, it's time to give up the dream. <laughs> slam on the brakes and get us back into the left lane. But as soon as we get into that lane, he does the opposite of slamming the brakes. And you need to understand, there is a car on our left perfectly beside us. So there's nowhere to go. But instead of breaking and pulling back in, he decides to hit the gas and go straight towards the barrier. And in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. And I'm, this is not a word of a lie, because it's in my brain ingrained. He sped towards that barrier and literally with like a meter to spare and not really any room in front of the car behind us, he swerved back into the left lane and we survived. But you need to understand, yeah, Mario Kart, not Mario Andretti. You need to understand, in that moment, I was scared. Because fear is natural. I want us to understand this. Because a lot of times in church world, we can kind of put up this idea that says that, fe that faith and fear are polar opposites. In fact, fear is the enemy of faith. But I want us to understand something. There are times in life where you should be afraid. There are times in life where not only is fear natural, fear is actually a gift from God. If you refuse to work and you have bills to pay, I encourage you, be a little bit afraid. There are times when fear is not a bad thing. And so I want us to understand something because we're talking about how to fight fear. I think this is going to be helpful for so many of us. One of the best ways to fight fear is to get rid of this idea that in order to fight fear, I have to get rid of it completely. That's not the key and that's not the solution. 
You see, I don't believe that fear is an emotion that we need to get rid of. Fear is an emotion that we need to learn to manage. And so what I want to do is I want us to learn how to manage fear, not get rid of it. And I want us to understand something. I think it's going to be really freeing, especially for people that grew up in church. I want you to write this one down. Write down that faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is not the absence of fear. Because a lot of times what can happen is when we experience fear, it's like, man, I just, maybe I don't follow Jesus enough. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not a good enough Christian. Now, some of us are, well, Harrison, the Bible says fear not. Like, I shouldn't fear ever. But like I said, I believe a more biblical understanding of fear is not do I have fear, but do I let fear control me? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but God has given us fear. Flight or fight, fight or flight is, a, is a thing that God has created innately in us. But what the Bible says is God has not given us a spirit of fear. And so what that means is fear is not to get rid of. Fear is just to manage. And so the question I need to ask myself is not do I have fear, but does fear control me? And so what I want to do is I want to learn how to manage our fear. Now, I believe the answer to managing our fear is through faith. This is why they're connected. And I think one of the easiest and one of the best things, the most practical things that we can do when it comes to our fear and our faith is to ask ourselves, which are we feeding? Because here's the truth. Whatever we feed will grow. And so the question is this, am I feeding my fear or am I feeding my faith? And so here's the first point for how to fight fear. Write this one down. Just write down, feed your faith. Feed your faith. One of the best things that you can do to fight fear is to, instead of feeding fear, feed your faith. Now, the question you need to ask yourself is, how do I know if I'm feeding my fear or if I'm feeding my faith? Well, here's one barometer I think to be true. Maybe you guys know this. I think that oftentimes it is easier to feed our fear. I think to feed our fear is one of the easiest and the most convenient things that we can do. All you have to do is pick up your phone these days and I guarantee in like 10 minutes you can feed your fear full. So, so here's some practical advice. How do I know if I'm feeding my fear? How many of you guys have an Apple phone in this room? A few saved people. How many of you guys are still, how many of you guys are still sinning with Android? A few sinners in the room. Um, <laughs> listen, online you can let me know uh, what, you guys, what you guys do too. Uh, but I'm sure, I'm sure that, you know, Android is the same as Apple in this. Um, you guys have the thing where you can see your, your average screen time? You got, <laughs> turn it off for, my, for your sanity. Um, I think a really practical thing to do is check your average screen time. Literally, you guys, Android, you can let me know if it does this too, but in Apple, it breaks down to specific apps. How much time am I spending on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok? Can I be honest? What I found a lot of times is that my average screen time will correlate directly to my mood. It will, and for a lot of us, your average screen time will directly correlate to your fear. Why? I said this on Sunday, but I said this is the first time in the history of our world, 
at least for a lot of us, that we wake up every single day learning about a daily death count. What do we expect when we wake up every morning and read about death? Now, you need to understand something, and I do not mean this in a callous way, but people have died forever. But this is probably the first time for most of us that we read about it every single day. And so we need to ask ourselves, what am I feeding? Now, for some of us, it's like, well, pastor, I just, I need to be informed. I need to understand the facts. And okay, that's totally fine. But what I'll say is this. If you're going to feed that fear, you better make sure that you doubly feed your faith. You better make sure that you do things. Listen, the, and I want us to understand this because I think that when I said faith is fleeting, but fear is easy, the disciples followed Jesus. They saw Jesus do miraculous things. But all it takes is a second to feed their fear, and it's like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. Look, at, I love what, what, what happens in Mark chapter 14. This is later, but Jesus says this. It's so practical. He says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give into temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak or the flesh is weak. Now, I don't take that as a negative. You're weak. I'm weak. That's okay, though. I know, I just, I know my diagnosis then. The problem for so many of us is that we think we're strong. You know what? I can have bad habits and I'll be all right. I can wake up every day, look at my email and not be strong. I'll be all right. I'm, I'm very self-aware. You guys, anyone like that? Like, I, I know I'm very self-aware. I heard someone say, um, often the most unaware people are the ones that consider themselves the most self-aware. Because the more aware you think you are, the more blind spots you naturally have. Because you think you understand yourself. You see, Jesus says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. Fear and a spirit of fear is a temptation that we all live in. In our time right now, in 2021, fear is all around us. So we can say, I don't want to give in to it, but Jesus says the body is weak, the flesh is weak. Although you may be willing, the flesh is weak. So what we need to do is make it a priority. It's really that simple. Make feeding your faith a priority. Well, how do I do that? Jesus gives us one thing. He says, pray. Let's make prayer a daily habit. Let's make prayer something that we lean into. One of the ways that we feed our faith is through prayer. Another way is through scripture. I need to read my Bible. I need to read books. I need to feed my faith. Because the truth is, if I don't feed my faith intentionally, oftentimes my fear is fed unintentionally. For some of us, listen to this, it's coming to church week in and week out. It's watching online specifically, not when I feel like it, not when it's convenient, but making a time that is holy, making a time that is set apart, making it back into routine. And I want to encourage, maybe there are people watching online and you know that you need to get back in person because you need to be surrounded by other believers. I encourage you, today's the day. Well, technically not today, next week. But if you, listen, if you know what you need to feed your faith, what are we waiting for? You see, the solutions for feeding our faith are often simple, but oftentimes we just don't want to do it. Now, some of us, like Harrison, you know what? I want to. Like, I want to read. I want to pray. I want to have faith. The issue is I just have commitment problems. Anyone like that? I, I just have commitment issues. No, you don't. Listen, you are very committed, all of you. We are all very committed people. The issue is that oftentimes we're committed to the wrong things. Come on, how many of us are committed to our phones? 
Not me, pastor. Delete TikTok then. Excuse me? The issue is not commitment. The issue is that we are committed to the wrong things. How many of us are committed to eating wrong? Listen, I was very committed for a long time to not exercising. And the gyms open and they close. Listen, the problem isn't commitment. The problem is that we commit to the wrong things. So I want to encourage you. If you're saying to yourself, well, Harrison, how do I commit? Attach what you're doing to a bigger why. You may not see it in the moment, but the reason that you're reading, the reason that you are praying is because you're feeding your faith. And the bigger why is that I don't want to live in a spirit of fear. Can I be honest? You want to know the reason I went back to the gym? It's because I need to rehab my shoulder. And it's not because I care about my shoulder. I, don't, it's, I can do most things. But I love to golf. And so in order to golf, I need to fix my shoulder. So you know what I did? The task that I didn't really want to do, I attached it to the bigger why. And the thing that I actually love, which is golf. Come on, somebody. And so I want to encourage you, whatever it is you're struggling to do, attach it to a bigger why. And if you're struggling with fear, I don't want to live like this anymore. Then attach every little thing, every menial thing to the larger why. If I want to live in faith. I don't want to live the way that I was living. But here's the thing I want us to understand. I said it again. Fear is not an emotion to get rid of. It's an emotion to manage. And I want to show us something in the story because I think a lot of people miss this. You see, a lot of people think the disciples' issue is that they're afraid when they shouldn't be afraid. I don't think that's actually it. Let me show you. Mark chapter 4, continuing, the storm's going on. It says, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him, and they said to him, look at this, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, this is a chilling accusation. It's not Jesus save us. It's Jesus, if we die, you don't even care. You see, like I said, fear is natural, but here's what happens when fear overtakes our heart. And here's what happens when fear is no longer an emotion that we manage, but the thing that controls us, is that we move to the opposite of faith. And I don't believe the opposite of faith is fear. I actually believe that the opposite of faith is cynicism. And what cynicism is, it's the idea that things are going to turn out for wrong. It's when our natural disposition is negative thinking. It's worst case scenario thinking. The disciples in this moment, they move past fear to cynicism. And they say to Jesus, Jesus, how come you don't? even care you see what happens and and I want us to examine our hearts because it's very easy for us to get there you see I want to encourage you just because you have fear in your life does not mean that you aren't a person of faith but one of the barometers that your faith is waning is that when your natural disposition is cynicism it's when you believe you know what I don't think things are going to work out Come on, maybe, come on, we've been in that. I've been in that season. It's every single thing, every single decision. I don't think God's going to come through. I don't think God will get me that job. I don't think God will provide. I think I'm always going to be alone. I think I'm always going to feel this way. And so the reason that we need to manage our fear, the reason we need to feed our faith is because the longer that we feed our fear, the more it turns into cynicism. 
And so I want us to notice something because I think there's a really big thing that we can miss. But I think it's a clue and a key to showing us how to fight fear and feed our faith. We're going back in Mark chapter 4. And uh, if you have a paper Bible, you're, you're good because you can see the whole thing. Um, but I want to go back to verse 35 because you can miss something. This is the very beginning. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Jesus said, let us go over to the other side. Why is this important? Whose idea, for, <laughs> whose idea was it to get in the boat? It was Jesus' idea. Wh- whose idea was it to go onto the sea and Jesus is God, so he probably knew it was going to happen? Whose idea was it? It was Jesus. I want us to understand something because I think one of the reasons that cynicism builds in our hearts is because for a lot of us, we try to follow Jesus and in moments or in seasons, life does not appear to be getting better. Can we be honest? Anyone tried to follow Jesus and for a season, life got worse? Life got harder? There was more obstacles. There was more hardships. There was more heartbreaks. You want to know what this story is telling us? The disciples, you want to know what brought them into the storm? It wasn't their unfaithfulness. The reason they were brought into the storm was because they were following Jesus. Can I tell you something, church, and I hope this encourages you. Sometimes when you follow Jesus, he won't take you away from the storm. He'll actually bring you into the heart of the storm. Sometimes the will of God is to be in the hardest places. But I want us to understand something. Even in this, there's a promise. What's the promise? Jesus says, let's go over to the other side. You want to know what that promise is? Jesus says, we're going on the water, but the water is not our final destination. We're going to get to the other side. So one of the ways that we fight fear is that we cling to the promise of God. Now, I want you to understand, in this moment, this promise is for the disciples. That's what they're supposed to cling to when the waves are washing in, when the boat is filling, that God, that Jesus made the promise that they will get to the other side. I want to encourage you. I want to feed your faith right now. Guess what? Jesus did not make this promise to you. You're not in the boat. But Jesus has made us promises. I want to read you two right now. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, I am certain that God who began a good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So what do I say in my storm? What do I say in my hardships? I cling to the promise of God that he who begun a good work in me will continue that work. It means whatever I'm going through right now, God's not done. It might seem hard right now, but God's not done. I might seem low right now, but God has not, is not done. He's not going to continue the work until it's finished. And so when I feel like an unfinished product, I cling to the promise that Jesus is still working. Here's one for our situations and our circumstances, because sometimes we go through hard things. Nothing to do with ourselves, nothing to do with what's around us. Romans 8.28 says, We know that in all things God works for good works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So here is a promise when we put our faith in Jesus. Whatever my situation is, I can have assurance that it will work out for good. 
Now, you need to understand something. That doesn't mean it will work out how I want it to work out, but it will work out for good. It doesn't even mean my situation is God's plan, but it will work out for good. It means oftentimes, even in my worst mistakes, even in my biggest regrets, God finds a way to make it good. And so one of the ways I feed my faith in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of hardships, is I begin to cling to the promise and say, Jesus, I don't feel it right now. All I feel is fear, but I'm going to have faith to say that you will make it good, that you're going to bring something out of this. So here's the thing, second thing. How do I fight faith? How do I fight fear? Just write this one down. Base your faith on facts. Base your faith on facts. And I know it seems counterintuitive because faith is kind of the seen, the unseen. And what I don't understand, but these are facts. There's facts. And the facts aren't in destinations. They're not in circumstances. Our faith is in Jesus. And his word is firm and his promises are true. But this frees us. It frees us from the constant battle of having to, try to fight our feelings. I set it off the top. One of my biggest struggles with faith and one of the reasons I don't feel like a person of faith is because I don't often feel faithful. I don't often feel optimistic. But one of the ways that I've learned to fight fear is with facts. And the facts are simple, that God is going to make this work for good. Listen, I'll tell you guys, for Easter... Um, you guys enjoyed being together last week? All under one roof. It was so awesome. Online, I uh, hope you enjoyed the Easter service as well. Um, but what you need to understand is the whole time, um, <laughs> a couple times, we ran into some obstacles trying to find a building for Easter. And um, it is funny, one of our bigger obstacles is we kind of found a place that we thought we were going to have. and It was huge and it was going to work out. Um, and then basically when the guy said yes, a couple days later, he called, and he's like, hey, actually, our board said no. Um, and he, <laughs> I'll never forget it. He's like, I'm so sorry. Um, he's like, were you guys looking forward to your event? Um, and I was like, no, I just do this. <laughs> but, but it didn't work out. And you guys know the end of the story, obviously, that it did work out. But one of the things that has got me through that season, that through that time, and through other times like that in the history of our church, is I cling to the promise of Romans 8, 28. You see, I don't believe in any way that God promised us that we would have an Easter service together. I wasn't banking on that promise. But I was banking that on whatever happens, God will make it work for good. And so what that means is even if we didn't find a place, even with every door closed, even if it didn't work out the way that we wanted it to work out, the beauty was my faith was not in the situation or the destination. My faith was in the one who promised that he will work all things for good. And so that is the facts that I base my faith on. And I want to encourage us, if you want to fight fear in this season, you want to fight fear today, do not put your hope in a circumstance or an outcome. Put your hope in the one that can see the beginning from the end. Now, I want to finish with some good news about faith. And uh, I didn't give a cue, so Kim, you can come up, right, about now. Um, Mark chapter 4, I want us to see something. Again, the disciples said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? Now, what I said is that the opposite of faith 
is cynicism, not fear. But what happens when we live in the spirit of fear is that our hearts become cynical. And so in this moment, I would say that the disciples' hearts are hard and the disciples' hearts are cynical. They said, teacher, do you not care if we drown? What an accusation against Jesus. What an accusation against the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. You don't even care. Now, as I read that and I think to myself, man, like Jesus is probably going to wipe these guys out the face of the earth. Just flick them away, these faithless people. Look what happens next. It says in verse 39 that he got up and he rebuked the winds and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the winds died down and it was completely calm. You know what I love about this? And here's the thing I love about faith is that faith is not built on our faithfulness, but it's built on God's. If the disciples got what they should have had coming, Jesus should have, I'm still sleeping. Let's just let this thing drown. But what Jesus does in a moment is he gets up and he rebukes the winds, he rebukes the waves, and in a moment he says, quiet and be still. You want to know what this means? Faith doesn't even have anything to do with us. It's all about him. And so listen, I don't even put my faith in myself and my ability to believe. I put my faith in God's faithfulness. And what does God's faithfulness say? It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, when we are faithless, Jesus remains faithful. For he cannot disown himself. What that means is literally it's in his character. It's in his DNA to be faithful. And so one of the reasons I can feed my faith is because even in the moments I'm faithless, I can come back to Jesus because he is faithful. Because he is faithful. And so listen to this, what I said, and I want to encourage us with this. I said at the beginning, I don't believe that faith is the absence of fear. I think fear is natural, but what I do believe is that faith is moving forward, not with the absence of fear, but in the midst of fear. And what that means is even if I feel afraid, even if I feel fearful, even if I don't feel like I'm enough, I'm going to move forward. And you want to know why we move forward? It's because Jesus says this. He says, why are you so afraid? Do you have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You know why we can move forward in the midst of the storm, in the midst of fear, in the midst of the hardest time? is because we serve the God that controls the storm, that controls the wind, that controls the wave. We serve the God where the wind and the waves obey his name. And so what do I have to fear? What do I have to fear? Let's just stand up, church. I want to pray in this moment and I want to just pray for anyone right now you feel like man I've been struggling with fear but I want to live in faith if you want to live in faith over fear but you just want to say Jesus today I want to feed my faith I want to pray over you right now in this moment you can raise your hand if you want that prayer or you can just open your hands up and receive this prayer but you're saying hey I want faith this morning Jesus I pray for everyone in this room, God, I pray that we can receive a measure of your faith. 
God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness and for your grace, Lord. And I pray for any of us that have struggled with fear, any of us that have been living in cynicism, I pray, Lord, today that we can step forward in faith in the midst of hard times, in the midst of tragedy, that we can just cling to your promises, Jesus. We love you. We pray in your name. Amen, amen, amen. Can we clap our hands for Jesus? Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. Hey, we would love to connect with you. We would love to get to know you. So why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca today, fill the connect card. We would love to get in touch with you, help you walk this journey with Jesus. Thank you so much for being here. Until next time, take care. Thank you.